morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn back to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We're going to finish up the, uh, the chapter this morning. Um, and we said last week that, that John has these, these sections where you have extended dialogue between Jesus and the Jews, Jesus and the Pharisees, and um, um, that if we get, we could get bogged down in, in the details and, and really miss what's uh, uh, John's intended purpose, I think, for, for including these. Um, we're looking at verses 30 through 59, and I'm not going to read that as a whole chunk. We're going to read the sections as we go through to make our point. But it's important to remember that as we're reading uh, the section, that this falls in line with, or this is in the same chunk of John chapter 8, verse 12, whenever Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And the Pharisees said to him, you bear record of yourself, your record is not true. So this whole dialogue, this whole back and forth, is the Pharisees and the Jews' response to Jesus' claim that He's the light of the world, that all who follow Him shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, whenever we looked at last week's message, um, we looked at a couple of um, a couple of problems that um, um, that accompany what it means to. Uh, walk in darkness. So we, we said that this is a, a theme that comes out of John chapter 1, that um, um, the light shined into the darkness, the darkness comprehended it not, and we said there's a sense in which it just means that the light was there and the darkness just didn't understand. There was no comprehension, no understanding. If you read verses 13 through 29, it becomes very clear that the Jews, the Pharisees, have no idea what Jesus is talking about. They're, they're having two different conversations. Two big problems that are exposed. Number one, Jesus says the problem is with your judgment. And then number two, the problem is with your origins. I'm from above, you're from below. So that's what we looked at last week. This week... We're going to look at four marks, four traits of what it means to be in darkness. Four marks of being in darkness. One of the reasons I want to do this is because many times when we think about darkness, we think about the worst of the worst. We think about um, gross immorality. Um, we think about things that are worthy of, uh, of headlines. The reality is Jesus is exposing that these people are in darkness and these people are really the religious leaders of the day. Anybody else who would have looked at these, these individuals that Jesus is arguing with would not have said they're walking in darkness because they were the ones who were cleaned up. Jesus says you clean up the outside of the cup, and they were. They were very clean. If you were to look at their life, if you were to look at their 
um, outward commitments, if you were to look at them just as a person, just from the outside looking in, it wouldn't have seemed like they were darkness. But where Jesus is going with this entire conversation is to highlight that that's exactly where they are. And we get four marks of that. So we're going to start in verse 30. And I want to read six verses. It says, As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Here's their answer. And they answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Mark number one, being in darkness. Mark number one, enslavement to sin. Enslavement to sin. Jesus says in verse 34, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Okay, the word committeth there doesn't mean that the person who sporadically commits random sin here and there. The word committeth is a present active tense verb. It means it's a persistent, ongoing action. It's someone who is, we could say it this way, someone who is living in sin. They're abiding in sin. They're remaining in sin. It's a, it's a mark of bondage. Jesus says, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. These men say, what are you talking about? We were never in bondage to anyone. We're, we're Abraham's seed. Now that's just a kind of a humorous reply in and of itself. The nation of Israel had a checkered past of being in constant bondage. They were taken by, uh, they were taken into captivity under the bondage of Babylon, and then they were under the bondage of Persia, and then they came home, and then they were under the bondage of Rome, where they currently were. These men say, we were never under any bondage. We are Abraham's seed. Jesus says, you're not understanding what I'm saying. What I'm saying to you is that those who live under a lifestyle of persistent, ongoing, habitual sin are under the bondage of sin. Proverbs chapter 5 gives a description 
of enslavement to sin in, in this word picture. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. His own iniquities, talking about the iniquities of the wicked, they shall take him. They shall capture him. He shall be holden with the cords of his sin. That is, he'll be entrapped in the cords of his own sin. Bound up, we might say handcuffed with the cuffs of his own sin. Now, when we think about what it means to be enslaved to sin, it's, uh, it's worth noting that when we use this kind of language, an individual who's enslaved to sin, it's always, always voluntary enslavement. There's never a scenario to where you sin against your will. There's never a scenario as to where you are bound up in habitual sin against your will. It's voluntary enslavement. Now, I'm not going to run this rabbit trail, but I will throw it out there just as food for thought. This is the big difference between a biblical view of addictions and the world's view of addictions of any kind. The world uses addictions as if we are victims of something. The Scriptures talk about enslavement in the sense of voluntarily giving yourself up to something as we're, as we're talking about sin. Part of what it means, a mark of walking in darkness is this enslavement to habitual sin. He who commits, continues to commit, lives in, who is a servant of sin. Second Peter chapter 2 would give a pretty good description of the men that Jesus is interacting with and many today who would be in this category. Second Peter chapter two, uh, verse. I'm going to start with verse twelve. It begins to describe these individuals. It says, "But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption." and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves in their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sinning, beguiling unstable souls, 
a heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. But when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who lived in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same is he brought in bondage. Now, obviously, the enslavement to sin part is articulated there in verse 19. But the reason I think this passage is is helpful and the reason this whole subject, biblically speaking, is, is helpful is because, again, darkness doesn't always look like darkness. Darkness wears a suit and a tie. Darkness knows how to shed tears during a sentimental song service, singing hymns about things that you would think only the children of light could enjoy. Darkness knows how to say amen whenever there's a, there's a point in the sermon that hits them. In other words, darkness knows how to look like light, but when you get down to the inner man, darkness is what's going on here. Look what's... I'm just going to take the kind of the bullet points. In other words, darkness can have a facade of light. But you don't have to go very far to figure out it's a facade. So, 2 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 12, just the description that's given of these individuals. Number one, they speak evil of things that they do not understand. Criticize. Condemn. Speak evil of. Things that they have absolutely no understanding of. Their, their, their mouths spew ignorance. Verse 13, every day is an opportunity for indulgence. Oh, they indulge the passions of the flesh. Every day is a new day for that. Verse 13, they delight in their deceptions. Verse 14, their eyes are full of adultery. Verse 14, they cannot cease from sin. Verse 14, they seduce unstable people. Verse 14, their hearts are trained in self-centered greed. Verse 15, they have intentionally forsaken the right way. Verse 15, they love the wages of wickedness. 
Verse 17, there is no depth or substance to their words or character. And verse 18, they're smooth talker, smooth talkers with empty words who entice through the lust of the flesh. These are all descriptors of these individuals spoken of in 2 Peter chapter 2. Well, these are things that can be dressed up and look nice. These are things that can be dressed up and look sincere. Really, what Peter is getting at whenever he's talking about these individuals is he's getting past the surface down to their hearts. They're living out of a heart that is after some things. We're going to talk about the heart in a minute. But when he gets down to verse 19, this is the last descriptor. He says, they promise freedom, but are themselves the slaves to corruption. They promise freedom, but are themselves the slaves to corruption. Well, I would just ask, could there be any clearer description of the talking heads of our day? They speak evil about things that they don't understand. They delight in deception. They seduce unstable people. You see, I don't, I don't think that every single person who's wrapped up in the lies of this world are running full-fledged in that direction in an aggressive way. There are a lot of people who are just deceived. They're unstable. doesn't mean they're not responsible for what they're doing. It just means they're, and this is a, um, this is a, this is a biblical word. It just means that they're, uh, they're morons. And I don't mean that in a funny way, even though it sounds funny. They do not know how to reason. Uh, they do not know how to discern. And these people promise freedom and are blind to the fact that they themselves are slaves to corruption. Now, this just isn't the talking heads of our culture. This is the world that we live in. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says, Do you not know that who you yield yourselves servants to obey, His servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. Mark of living in darkness is this enslavement to sin. First John chapter three would would hit this. First John chapter three, probably a, if you've thought about another passage, this has probably been it. 1 John 3, 7, 
1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the very beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Now, you'll notice pretty clearly if you look at verse 8, that uh, what John is doing here is is uh, the same thing he does in John eight thirty four. He that committeth sin is of the devil. The word committeth is the same word that's used there in the same tense. It's referring to an ongoing, persistent enslavement to sin. But John is even going to go back and, and, and bring in this, um, this category that we saw last week when Jesus says, I'm from above and you're from below. John says the reason that this is the case, he that committeth, he that is enslaved to sin is of the devil, uh, is verse 9. Because whoever is born of God does not commit sin or live in sin because his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, again, we're not talking about one-off sins. We're not even talking about random sins. We're talking about living in habitual sin with a lack of repentance. Jesus says it doesn't happen with the children of God because they are born of God. And this is the reason that Jesus came to begin with, he says, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So this mark that we find in our conversation between Jesus and these Jews is an enslavement to sin. Jesus says, If you continue in my word, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And they say, free from what? We're not enslaved to anything. And Jesus says, you're not thinking deep enough because you're enslaved to sin. You're enslaved to sin. Mark number one, an enslavement to sin. Mark number 2, verses 37 and 38. He says, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. Now we could say, Several things here, but Mark number two, those who are in darkness, 
a resistance to Scripture. Jesus says, my word has no place in you. What that means is, uh, you have no time. My word carries no weight with you. I can't even get the words out of my mouth before you start telling me how wrong I am. That's what Jesus is saying. If you go back and you take the time to read through some of these extended back and forth in John between Jesus and the Jews, you'll find that's just exactly what the pattern is. Jesus speaks and they say not so. And Jesus speaks and they say not so. And Jesus speaks and the pattern just keeps going. Why? Because they're resistant to the words that are coming out of His mouth. Even when He references back to the Old Testament Scriptures, they're resistant to that. His Word has no place in them. This is, this is the opposite of a 1 Samuel 3.9 where Eli taught Sam, Samuel to respond to the Lord by saying, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Brothers and sisters, this really is the heart position of those who are walking in the line. It's a, it's a love of God and a love of His Word. It's a receptivity to His Word. It's, there's not an ongoing resistance to conviction. There's not an ongoing plugging up our ears and refusing to hear what God has to say. Or Psalm 119.97, Oh, how I love Thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Now when I say that, I'm not saying that those who are walking in the light love to be convicted, that it's fun and it's giddy and, and you, you just can't wait for more. Conviction can be painful. But those who are walking in the light, those who are not in the darkness... Conviction will do its work. The response will not be an ongoing Romans 1.18. They hold the truth in unrighteousness. Brother Caleb was there not too long ago. His description, the word hold. Really, it's they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They don't want it. They're resisting against it. They fight against it. The truth is spoken and they don't want to hear it. The truth is laid before them and they've got no time for it. There's a resistance. John chapter 8, if you move on a little bit in the chapter, he goes on with this in verse 43 through 47. He says, Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. 
When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not, suppressing the truth. Which of you convinceth me of a sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. There's a resistance. Why? Because they're in darkness. We looked at this passage last week, and you can't really come to a topic like this without thinking about 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We were there uh, last week making a different point, but the natural man, uh, this is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the natural man um, receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, a couple of things here. This does not mean that the natural man doesn't understand biblical information. So whenever you say that the only freedom that you will ever have is freedom in Christ, it's not that the natural man can't compute what you're saying. Now, he may not understand the depths and dimensions of what you're saying in that phrase, but it's not as if he's saying, well, who's Jesus? And what is freedom? What does all that mean? No, his resistance is because he does understand. And it's foolishness to him. He receives it not. It means he refuses to accept it. He's suppressing, resisting, fighting against the scriptural truth because it's foolishness to him or her. And so there's an ongoing resistance to Scripture. Number one, the mark of being in darkness is an enslavement to sin. Mark number two, a resistance to Scripture. Again, I would just point out these men that Jesus is interacting with here in John chapter 8 are outwardly religious men. They look good. The outside of the cup is very clean. But there's no life on the inside. And they're their life behind closed doors doesn't even resemble the life that they want the crowds to see and praise. Number three, starting in verse 39, John chapter 8, verse 39. And they answered... And they said unto him, Abraham is our father. So this is in response to Jesus saying in verse 38, I speak that which I have seen with my father and you do that which you have seen with your father. Jesus is referring to the father of lies, Satan, whom he's already referred to as their father. 
And their response to him in verse 39 is, Abraham is our father. And Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. So, they have this back and forth exchange. Jesus says, you're of your father the devil. They say, our father is not the devil. Our father is Abraham. He says, well, if Abraham's your father, why don't you act like Abraham? He's not. And then they throw in this insult. We know who our father is. We are not born of fornication. Alluding back to Mary's uh, immaculate conception and the rumors that had gone around about uh, Jesus. Well, point number three. Marks of being in darkness. Actions that expose the heart's allegiance. Actions that expose the heart's allegiance. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. We reference this often. Um, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. This is the, the, the heart is the source of your life, your, your actions, thoughts, desires, pursuits, all those kinds of things. We have an understanding, a biblical understanding of the heart, then we understand that before we ever act, we have already thought, desired, and chosen out of a heart that is worshiping and pursuing something. So so when we think about sin, if all we think about are actions, we have an extremely shallow view of sin, biblically speaking. Because before those actions ever take place, they've been thought about, they've been desired, and they've been chosen in a heart that's worshiping something. And really, we're talking about idolatry here. And so those who are walking in darkness, now again, well, how did we get here? Well, these guys say, we're Abraham's seed. Abraham's our father. And Jesus says, no, Sorry. This is what Abraham did. You don't do any of those things. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. We aren't there yet, but he's going to say that in a minute. You're trying to kill me. Why? Because they're living out of a heart that is pursuing something. That is in allegiance to something. Those who walk in darkness 
follow their heart. That's just the way that works. Those who are walking in wisdom, according to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 19, are in the business of guiding their heart. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Again, whenever we're thinking about what it means to walk in the light or walk in darkness, uh, this whole business of the heart is, uh, well, it's essential. Because before you're ever enslaved to sin, your heart's chasing after it. Before you've ever resisted the Scriptures outwardly, your heart was hardened toward those inwardly. The condition of your heart is going to affect the substance of your actions. So Jesus says here in Mark chapter 7, verse 21, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, Adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Again, Jesus says to these Jews, why don't you do the things that your father did if you're from Abraham? If Abraham is your father, why aren't you doing what Abraham did? What's the answer to that? The condition of their heart, that's why. Why do we do what we do? Well, in a very basic breakdown of that, we do what we do because we want what we want. And the center of all your wants is your heart. It's where you think. It's where you value. It's where you choose. It's where you pursue. You know, it's a very... popular phrase... For hardened, worldly individuals to throw out to try to catch the moral high ground. You can't judge my heart. You don't know what's in my heart. There's an extent in which that is true. But there's another reality that Scripture gives to where you can connect, and I'll, I'll use myself as the example, you can connect the dots from my actions and my words back to the condition of my heart every single time. That's just a reality. There's not a choice that I've ever made 
that doesn't expose the condition of my heart. There's not a phrase I've ever uttered that didn't expose the condition of my heart. Jesus says here, it's out of the heart of men that all these things proceed. There's an allegiance to something. Allegiance to self. Allegiance to pleasure. An allegiance to um, fill in the blank. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 would be another place that Jesus would reiterate this. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you who he is like. And he goes on to give the story of the wise man that built his house on the rock and the foolish who built their house upon the sand. But here's where he starts. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is good. And he applies this in verse uh, 45, rather than uh, highlighting the actions here, he highlights the words of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. What does that mean? Well, it means again, our words expose what's in our hearts. Our actions expose what are in our hearts. And the reality is, when our words and behaviors are incongruent, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Behavior patterns expose the heart every time. What are behavior patterns? What are, we, what are we talking about with these sinful behavior patterns? Much of the time we're just talking about being enslaved to sin. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? If you're not responding to me like I'm your Lord, why would you call me Master if you're not submitting to me? This incongruence between what you're saying and what you're doing exposes a heart that is worshiping someone other than the Lord. So, marks of being in darkness. Number one, enslavement to sin. Number two, resistance to Scripture. Number three, actions that expose the heart's allegiance. That is primarily an allegiance to self. And then number four, 
back in John 8. John 8, verses 42 down to 59. Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, you would love Me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of Myself, but He that sent Me. Why do you not understand My speech, even because you cannot hear My words? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And thou sayest, If a man keep my sayings, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me of whom you say that He is your God. Yet you have not known Him, but I know Him. And if I should say I know Him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know Him and keep His sayings. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, uh, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So again, we could say a lot about this. There's a lot in here. Uh, nothing that hasn't been brought up before as far as Jesus claiming deity, but obviously in verses 58 and 59, we see that Jesus claims to be the I am God, and they understood that claim because it, they picked up stones to, to kill him. But this is not the point that we're looking at this morning. The fourth mark of being in darkness is a love that exposes the heart's blindness. So we said actions that expose the heart's allegiance. But there are also loves that expose the heart's blindness. It's, it's clear here, based on Jesus' words in Scripture toward the Pharisees but, and, and the Jews, but also based on their actions, that these guys hate Jesus. I mean, they picked up stones at the end to kill Him. Well, here's just a 
basic reality. You have to love something before you hate its opposite. You have to love something before you can hate its opposite. So, you know, there is a righteous indignation, a righteous anger, a holy hatred. And the only reason that exists is because it's the opposite of righteousness. It's the opposite. So what I mean by that is God only hates the opposite of what He loves. And it's the love that He has for the good that fuels the hate that He has for the bad, if we could say it that way. You know, the Bible commands, I mean, it's full of commands that we would love one another and that we would love the brethren and so forth and so on. But you know, the Bible has several commands. Um, several um, exhortations to us on things that we should not love. Things not to love. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 13 Love not sleep. First Timothy chapter 10, I'm sorry, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the love of money is the root of all evil. So perhaps the one you thought of is first John chapter 2, verse 13. Love not the world, the world system. Because he who loves the world, the one who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, we could go through, there's more than three in Scripture. You could find those on your own. But we could go through and pick out some sections, and we will in this passage, to expose some things. When we talk about people who are in darkness, we're not talking about people who are just full of hatred, who don't like anything, who don't love anything. Being in darkness is not someone who lacks love. It's someone who's loving the wrong things. So, verse 42 John chapter 8, Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, you would love Me, for I proceed forth and came from God. Well, they hated Jesus. They didn't love Him, that's for sure. They hated Jesus. They refused to believe on Jesus. And John chapter 12, verse 43 tells us what love got in the way of that. John 12, verse 43, it says, For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. See, Jesus got in the way of their facade. Jesus made them look bad. Jesus got past the polished outside of the cup into the dead men's bones that were really what they were made out of. And there was no way that they could be self-exalting and Christ-exalting at the same time. And they hated Him. Why? Because they loved the praise of men. They loved to exalt themselves. 
verses 43 through 47, which we read a minute ago, really zeroing in on verse 44, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. They hated the truth. Why? Because they loved lies and deceit. That's why. Because they were more willing to believe a lie. Because it was more convenient for them to believe a lie. Because they were of their father, who was the father of lies. Then, I'm not going to read this because we just did, but verses 48 through 59, they're on a mini smear campaign that leads to picking up stones to kill Jesus. They refuse to honor Christ because they love to honor themselves. And they couldn't do both at the same time. Now all of these things we're talking about, we're talking about a love that flows from a heart. These are invisible affections that make their way out into the open through actions and responses. So four marks of being in darkness. Number one, enslavement to sin. Number two, resistance to Scripture. Number three, actions that expose the heart's allegiance. Number four, love. Or loves, plural, that expose the heart's blindness. And that's important. I mean, here's the reality. Why in the world would someone love the world system? It's fading away. Why would they love it? Because they're blind. Why would someone love sleep? You say, well, that's a little more understandable. I, you know. Well, in the sense that Proverbs is talking about. Because they're blind to the poverty that accompanies making an idol of sleep and comfort and ease. There's a blindness there. What's the application? What's the application here? The application is directly in the text. So if the message has resonated with you this morning, if you you realize that you've been walking in darkness, then the application is found directly in the words of Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Or John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What's the application The application is this. 
the way out of the darkness is through a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Number one, looking to Him in faith, believing what He said. Number two, following Him. And for those of us who have been following Christ and those of us who have looked to Christ, then 31 and 32 really are applicable. Keep going. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me in an ongoing way will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we again, we thank You for Your Word, Lord. Some um, aspects of it are more pleasant to think about than others. And yet it's all profitable. You've given it to us for our good. And so I pray that if there are those here this morning whose eyes have been opened to the fact that they have been groping in darkness, that they would come to You through Your Son, Jesus Christ, in faith, submitting themselves to You and following You. And Father, for those who've been walking with You for any amount of time, Lord, I pray that You would bless us to commit today to continue in that walk from the heart that we would follow You and endure in that, that we would be Your disciples. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.